by the good folks over at Thorium Wealth. Check them out online, thoriumwealth.com for more information, full disclosures, T-H-O-R-I-U-M. Um, and you also, you can check out Second String Sports um, in uh, Waynesboro. Uh, Second String Sports, second with a two. Our thanks to them for their support of the show. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com. Coming to you live from the Palatial Franklin Estates in the west end of Richmond, where it is Wednesday, January the 22nd. Virginia is off until Sunday when they get down to Winston-Salem. Cavaliers have lost four of their last five and it really put, I think, a lot of us, those of us who you know observe, cover, pull for, whatever, um, the program. The, but it, it just feels weird, um, I think, is the best way to say it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to get over to the... Um, the basketball, excuse me, the football schedule was released today, um, and it's so uh, it's so weird um, to after after years of of the 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 changeover from football to basketball being kind of the the saving grace. It's so weird for it to be January and already like folks excited about football and kind of down on hoops. Um, but that's kind of you know where things are and, and and you know nature of the beast, I guess. Before we get started, let's go around and introduce everybody for this evening. Everybody is one David Spence up in Fishersville. How are you, my friend? I'm, I'm pretty good. I have a large role to fill playing everybody tonight. <laughs> uh, who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. And Cavs Corner also on Twitter. Cavs underscore corner. Great place for the in-game updates, content items, and the occasional witty banter. Uh, Ferber is not back from his uh, jaunt across the pond. Uh, he has, um, from, from his social media, he has watched <laughs> a lot of soccer. Um, yeah. I think it's fair to say. Um, probably drank a lot of beer. Um, had a bunch of pints at this point. Uh, if he comes back in one piece, I'll be very impressed. Um, I asked him several hours ago when he was coming back, and he never answered. So I guess it was like I, one in the morning over there. So. Yeah, but he, he's been and, keep- and he, I think he went to see Tottenham play at like two o'clock today. So yeah, that's he, true. Yeah, he, he's probably he's either on a plane or under under his sheets. <laughs> I'm guessing between them. Um, but it, you know, if the basketball continues like it's been while he's gone, maybe we'll just discuss soccer at at length next podcast. I was going to make returns. a joke. I was totally going <laughs> to make a sorry, joke. Sorry, I mean to steal it. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to make a joke about how uh, we need to give him his own segment when he comes back where he just basically takes us through, you know, all of his experiences. And then I was like, but you know what though, the soccer thing, man, even when the basketball's bad, I don't know if I can get down with the soccer thing. I don't know. Um so all right, let's but look, if if Ferber, if you're listening to this on a plane, uh, we were, <laughs> we, we we do we we do want you to come back and talk basketball. Um, it's very odd, for the record, as, as I texted you guys today. It's very odd to have a schedule release and not have uh, schedule Yoda to talk to. Um, <laughs> like I I was telling a friend of mine today, um, who whose son is like really into stats, like or excuse me, stadium facts. Like I want Ferber, um, like when it comes to schedules and stadium stuff, uh, he's the dude. So anyway, he will be back hopefully next week. Not to talk about soccer. All right. Um, so the basketball is, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I can say bad. It's not good. Right. And it's yeah. certainly not what we're used to. Um, those of us who, who go to Virginia games and that kind of thing. Um, Dave said something really poignant to me um, before we started recording. That's usually where all my good stuff comes. Yeah, you know, right? all the good stuff is off air, right? Yeah. 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 The the best the best shots are the ones that you take when nobody's <laughs> looking. Um but it's yeah. <laughs> uh but he said something really poignant to me and, and I want to set him up for it. So we were talking about <laughs> basketball, right? We we're talking about like, you know, kind of the order we wanted to to discuss things this evening. Um and I said uh I said, you know, let's do basketball. He said, Yeah, let's rip that band aid. And then you said that you wanted to uh you 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 just wanted to be done hearing people 
talk about why the basketball team is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing, losing doesn't. It turns out losing after what we had last year doesn't bother me as much as I would expect it. But having everyone turning into like a huge, you know, one bad season is all of a sudden like an indictment of the entire recruiting process of Tony Bennett, or you know, a, a signal that our our system really doesn't work. Like, no, it, it just means our team's not what it was last year. Um, so yeah, that that part to me is a lot worse than the actual competition. Um, I mean, it's not like we're out there getting beat by 20 every night, you know, they're in the games. Um, so, you know, the NC state game, certainly, you know, the result wasn't fun, but there were moments of that game where honestly, I started to like this team better. So well, I think that's what this season is going to be into that a little bit. What, when were, what were those moments when you started to like the team a little better? I mean, given the fact, you know, they were on kind of what three out of four losing streak going into that game and got down pretty big and, you know, it kind of been, you know, the thing I mentioned last podcast was like, they don't look like they're having fun out there. And it looked like that same thing. And then something switched and they kept NC State from scoring for what, almost 11 minutes, I think it was. Um, and during that time, like, like I saw an energy in the team and like they were, they were yelling, you know, they were getting, getting each other fired up. They were making big plays. They were, they looked like they were having fun. And um, I mean, at that moment, I was like, yeah, this is the team I like. And some of that had to do with Caparo coming in and bringing some physicality and just kind of changing up what we had seen, kind of the status quo. And I thought it was a nice little energy boost. You know, it's kind of a kind of shows you, you know, how how much this team struggles to put the ball in the basket when you can hold a team without a single point for 25% of the game and barely take the lead. Um, that, I mean, that's incredible. You, but, you know, they continue to play defense. And except, I think there's – if you want to be a pessimist, there's certainly a lot to be pessimistic about. If you want to be a ridiculous optimist like I try to be when things bother me, I think there's some optimistic things to see in the, in the last few games despite their overall result. Because ultimately, if Casey hits that shot at the end and, and Virginia pulls it off, like we feel a lot better, but they're really not that much different. That's a that's a really good segue and setup for what I was thinking about while you were talking. Because the thing that I'm kind of struck by, we can you can go back and look at these games and the fact that um, and credit to 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 Bennett Conlon from the Daily Progress. I, I put his tweet in the um, in the column I wrote this afternoon, but the fact that Virginia has been has trailed at the half of these games, right? All four of these ACC losses in 2020. Um, I guess technically all four of their ACC losses at all, but these four ACC games recently, right? The fact that they've trailed at the half in each one of them and then have been ahead, excuse me, have not trailed from at the under four. So basically whatever had happened before that, they were in a position to win in the last segment. And they've, I mean, the other teams have just, have not turned the ball over. They've shot it very well. Virginia just has not been good in those last few minutes. If you could take the Virginia that plays in like the middle, like, four-fifths of the game, right? So the not the first segment to the under-16 and not the last segment from the under-four, but everything in the middle, right? You took that team. That team's not bad, right? But it's it's the fact that you got to play those other eight minutes. And yeah, they're struggling right now to get started, and they're struggling to finish, um, which is in and of itself just a microcosm of, of their other issues. And I, I mentioned this in the call, but, man, Tony Bennett seemed so loose to me. And I don't mean that as a negative. I I – I just I feel like that he's legitimately like he he's figured it out. He understands it. Um, you know? 
Yeah. Um, and he's coaching, like he's coaching his rear end off during the games. Um, more so that, you know, not that he wasn't coaching in the last couple of years, but he is <laughs> on his feet and more active in the games. That's true. Especially and, the last four. Yeah. But I mean, for, yeah, for them to, for them to be turning yeah. the ball over as much as they are and him to not come in to the press conference, just fire and brimstone. It's, it's almost like he understands after the whistle, like, Hey, this is a, you know, this is all, this is all a down payment. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, I've, I, I, I've been really hesitant, um, to make the UMBC comparison to say that, that essentially this season is like one long UMBC loss, right? Where you didn't expect it, it, whatever. I, I don't know if it's necessarily comparable, but I think kind of the idea is similar in the sense of you got to go through some pain that will then turn into something good. Of course, at the time, you know, when they're, they're in Charlotte, they lose that game. You didn't know like, Hey, next year they're going to win a natty, but you, you thought as they were winning the national championship, you could directly point back to UMBC and say, yep, that's a big reason why. And Tony obviously did. Um, Lord knows the kids were asked about it enough. Um, I think that, you know, as we, as we move forward, um, you know, regardless of what happens, you know, over these next 12 games, um, but it, it, it's obviously, it's going to be tough because, you know, this is a team that won't have Diakite next season, won't have Braxton Key next season. Um, you know, Roster changes happened. There'll be new kids that are coming in. It it it's fair to th- to think that, you know, where Kihei goes from here, where Casey Morsell goes from here, where even you know Thomas Wolde Tensai, but the program in general goes from here, is going to be better for the experience that some of these guys are getting. I I think the thing that that I've been struck by, um, watching, and you mentioned that you thought that they they looked like they had more fun. I thought. In Flor in Tallahassee and then in Atlanta, both that you could see a fight, and it's not. I'm not trying to say that they didn't fight in in earlier games. I think they fought in Boston College, and they had moments, you know, where they fought against Syracuse. But there was a fight there that I thought was was good, and it was one of the reasons why I picked them to win uh, against State. I look at this team, and I and I keep trying to figure out, you know, what's the thing that's causing all the things. Um, you know, like, what's the reason? Um, and, man, <laughs> I don't think you can really just – I don't want to make it sound simplistic. They lost three NBA dudes to the next level, right? And I feel like we could just – every conversation we have about it, right, could just come down to they have three dudes that they lost to the to the NBA. Like, that's it. Like, that's the list. And that's yeah. very simplistic, but it's the truth. And you think about, like, all right, they're turning the ball to over too much. Well, you know what? If they had some playmakers who, when the offense didn't have to be just like one, you know, five foot nine dude go create, right? Uh, they they don't finish games well. They don't shoot it very well from deep, which you know it puts on a. It's 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 reminiscent to me of like Virginia's football offense not having enough big plays, right? So therefore they're not scoring points, and you know they're not scoring points, and so therefore they're losing. It's all I don't know. It's all relative to me when you look at this yeah. team, Dave. As as currently constructed, what are your expectations for these next twelve games? I mean, I honestly like I've tried not to think that far in advance because it, look, it, there's moments this team makes me think maybe we've seen you know maybe we finish like seven and thirteen or something in the ACC, and then there's moments like during that run where I'm like you know if they just put this together for a solid game, given what they have competition wise in the ACC. There's if they play 
let's I don't even know if they have to play their A plus game. If they just play a B plus game um, overall, they can probably beat everyone in the ACC except for maybe Duke or Louisville, who I think they'd have to play a little higher than that. But it also depends on which nights you get those guys. Um, so, like, if you just look at this team compared to what our team was last year, like, there, there's so much, <laughs> you know, so much it's lacking as far as offensive firepower and depth, you know, depth, especially handling the ball, um, creating off the dribble. But when you compare it to the rest of the ACC, like everyone's having these issues. Um, the thing that brings, brings me a little bit of solace is looking at the four teams that were in the Final Four last year, right? Michigan State, Texas Tech, um, Auburn, and Virginia. You know, the one traditional power, so, you know, recruiting power of those four is Michigan State. They're the only one having a great year this year. Um, Auburn and Auburn's going to win tonight and go to four and two in the SEC, but they just they haven't really beaten anybody. They lost their two toughest games back to back. Texas Tech is three and three in the Big Twelve, so it's hard to reload when you're not a program that reloads. Um, so you know, I, I think you got to take off your like your feelings from watching your team be the one to suffer and, and realize it's just kind of part of what happens when you have a really, really program defining season like we did last year. Um, but look, I, I mean, I've seen enough from this team to know like, look, Kihei has to play a lot of minutes, right? And when you're playing that many minutes and playing as hard as we do on defense and having to handle the ball so much, because even you know, if you look at the guys who play a lot, you know, Morsell is probably the second best ball handler on the team, and then Braxton Key, who's only got one hand basically to dribble, and then everyone else, like, are, are dribblers out of necessity. So Kihei's going to have to touch the ball a lot. When you're playing that many minutes, you're going to get fatigue—not just leg fatigue, but mental fatigue. Like, you can't be on that much. So he's, and when he turns the ball over, you know, it or makes a bad decision going to the rim, it just creates a mismatch. And when this team struggles to score, and you give up an easy point it feels like more than it actually is. Um, so I think that's something you're going to live with all year. There'll be games where he was like against Georgia tech where he, he was just, you know, you know, I think I read a stat that he's on pace for like the second best assist season in UVA history. Yeah. For a team averaging like 55 points a game. Or okay. Whatever. That's, that's where I want to go. So I, I mentioned this in the piece and, um, I, I don't want to just like read it, but I do want to focus on this. So this is a team that's rough that's scoring 16 points less per game, right? 71.4 yeah. to 55.1 now. His his turnovers are up from one a game to 3.4. Okay. But his assists are up from 2.6 to 5.9. His usage rate is absurd. Like yeah. y- y- you're not supposed to do as much as this guy's doing. You know what I mean? And he's and yeah. he's playing literally every minute of every game. And that's one of the things that really struck me, and the and the kind of the purpose behind that thing I wrote is like, have you ever seen Tony Bennett come into and like every time he has a chance? I mean, he could, you know, he 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 could certainly say a lot more than he said about Kihei and his mistakes and stuff. But it's almost like Tony being a former Porting guard and Tony understanding the situation he's put the kid in. He he almost sounds apologetic every after every game, right? In the sense of like, I really wish I didn't have to have him in the spot. Like what I'm asking him to do is just a lot. Um, and it, and it, frankly, I think it would be a lot for a lot of different players. I had this thought experiment the other day. Where was I driving? I was driving from somewhere, and I was thinking about like, all right, let's un, let's imagine a scenario where Ty Jerome is the one is the point guard, right? And Kihei's not on the floor, right? It's he is not on the roster. 
So you had an you had a situation where all of the other pieces are the same, except Ty Jerome is that guy, and he's in his second year, not not experienced Ty Jerome at the Final Four, Ty Jerome, not Ty Jerome who has weapons like Kyle and Dre, Ty Jerome. I'm talking about like second year Ty Jerome in that spot. Now he would be able to, you think, you know, get his shot a, a little bit easier because of his his length is his his shot in general is better, but. What would be substantially different, right? Ty would be able to be crafty in the lane, um, but if without the shooters, he probably wouldn't have that space, right? Without yeah. without Kyle running, you know, off screens and and going sideline sideline. And I think what that does is it sort of underscores two things for me. One is that Kihei is being asked to do a lot. He's playing a crap ton of minutes, and he's I don't want to I don't want to do the whole like oh he's giving it his best shot, but man he's he's given his entire everything, and he makes a lot of mistakes. Because he's got to make a lot of plays. Nothing happens for this Virginia offense unless Gee Clark makes it happen. Like yeah. it, and that's staggering if you think about sort of what you know he was recruited to do. The second thing that that that, that thought experiment brought me was, like, you could be, you could have a dude uh, who initiates offense and, and maybe is a little longer, but it, unless you've got pieces around him. In a way, it sort of almost confirms that the way Virginia does it is the way Virginia has to do it, which is kids grow, you know, grow in the program that you don't, you know, have wholesale changes every year. You know, like there are that you do recruit players to fit together with other players so that they are guys in different roles. You know what I mean? Like it's not yeah. just like you go out and you find. Let me use a scholarship on literally the most talented player. Okay, now I don't care. We need seven of this. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it, the pieces are, need to fit together. And I think, in a way, like I mentioned before about Tony and his, you know, his demeanor after games, he's clearly still, like you said, he's he's probably during the game he's coaching and teaching harder than he has in a long time. But after games, he seems very understanding of the of the situation. He it's like he gets it on a level that I think a lot of people are. You know he's he's a, he's ahead of the curve. Let's just say I think maybe folks will get there, but he's he's ahead of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I I don't know what Kihei could do more. Like we can say like you know you need to be smarter with the ball, but because you know he's creating almost six assists per game, right? So um, that's I'm trying to do the math real quick. <laughs> you know, team that scores 55 if he's creating 12 to 18 points potentially off those six assists, that's a huge chunk. Um, so you don't know if he can create that if he's not taking the chances he, he is now, because look, he's got to take some chances with the ball to get the other guys some space. Um, and you know, the interior guy specifically to get, to get their guy off of him. And he's doing it with a defense that's sagging off the three point line and helping. Um, so look, he's got a lot on his plate. Don't, don't get me wrong. Like I'm frustrated with him at times during games too, because like, you know, you're watching it as a fan. You're not watching it as a dude who's been out there for 30 minutes and trying to make something positive happen. Um, and I know Tony, they took him off the floor some in the NC State game. We got Coleman running the point. But, you know, for the for the better or worse, it's going to be what Kihei can provide you in the 35-plus minutes he's going to play every game. And I don't know, like, look, it, Coleman's a nice addition, and, you know, it's good to have him for a couple minutes here or there. But – no offense to the young man. He's not Kihei. Um, doesn't have the game experience. He's not quite as quick and, you know, just doesn't see the floor like that yet. Um, so he's going to have to be a big piece. And like I said, because the other guys aren't 
very much create off, create off the dribble guys, it's going to be really, it's going to be nights like, you, you know, that Kihei has mistakes and everyone's mad at him. And that will make him, like, if you think about next year's team when he adds Beekman to help him and some other, you know, other guard pieces, that makes him a better player for next year. So that, that I think we have to live with. Um, you know, the other thing that's kind of accelerated, I think, in the past couple games is Marcel's kind of having that struggle and not getting many minutes, as many minutes as he normally does. That's even one less person to, to handle the ball. Yeah. Um, so it's just been, and, and we're talking about Kihei, like he's the only guy having, you know, struggling. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, we've talked about it last week. Um, you know, someone needed to be, you know, a star this year. And I think we've seen glimpses of it from, from Braxton recently. I've been impressed with his play. And, you know, Jay's had his moments and Mamadi's had his moments, but they all have had their boneheaded moments too. Yeah. Um, and this team just can't afford to have multiple guys yep. having boneheaded, boneheaded moments because even if they get their shots up, they're not shooting that well. <laughs> but when you don't get a shot up, you have 0% chance of scoring. Yeah. And because they're not a three-point shooting team and they're having to dribble drop, like they went like eight-plus minutes against NC State before they attempted a three. Yeah. I think I texted you like, how long has it been since that happened? And yeah. I think you said maybe forever, and you might be right. Um, At least, yeah, but, for real. Yeah, because of that, like the turnovers are happening with guys driving to the lane or making passes across the defense, which is leading to so many breakouts this year. Um, like, And the fact that that doesn't drop Tony crazy is a testament to how – like. <laughs> how good of an individual he is. <laughs> Cause I gotta tell you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, look at I me, mean, I think the team is what it is. It, these guys are going to have to improve. No one's, you know, Kyle guys not walking in that door. Um, <laughs> but you know, to me, like, I, mean, I, I know I keep beating this drum, but I, I keep, every time I watch this team, I'm just like, you know, if Kyle had been there, like this whole thing, like it changes his entire yeah, equation. Everyone gets a, bumped down a line, right? Yeah, there's some UVA fan fiction where Kyle decides to come back, and yeah. this team yeah. is is what currently, what, seventeen one, you yeah. know, roughly. Maybe they lost at Florida State, um, but they're you know scoring sixty two, sixty three points a game. Um, but they won a national championship, like nine months ago and it feels like the world's ending when i read some of these articles and posts like you <laughs> well, know it's right, not been the best year let, let's but. talk about that for a few minutes let's talk about it. well actually oh, oh, okay, i do so want to i do want to talk about one other thing no yeah <laughs> it, it was all on april the 8th 2019 um that'll always be an easy date for me because it was the day after my birthday um no no i want to i, I want to say one thing about um on the course stuff and then i want to talk about sort of fan reaction and such all right momity I was asked on radio about Mamadi and his shot selection and why he, everything looks, you know, every shot that he takes seems, you know, difficult. And I made the point that to me, that's actually one of his favorite shots. If you go back and you look at clips of him when he was like in high school or when he was working out before he got to UVA or when he's working out his first summer, you know, between um, freshman, sophomore years, like that little fadeaway uh, elbow jumper, is his that's his that's his that's his jam like that is his thing right and it's his favorite shot and that's the spot he feels most comfortable when he turns and faces his problem I think is is that on a team that doesn't have shooters right so there is no space right dudes are just standing around right and they don't have to get out to the to chase people off the three-point line so that space is is constantly full he's never able to get 
the comfort area that he feels like he has to have. And so what I think you see him doing sometimes is he tries to drive and then he wants to spin into the middle. Well, he loses the ball because his handle, he, it's funny. He's like, he's like, he's got just enough guard skill that makes him really talented in terms of being a, a mobile big, but it also hinders him because he's not like a physical guy. So like if you, if they had like a, like a six foot 10, 250 pound monster in the middle, like one of those dudes that plays like a Gonzaga or whatever, right? That dude would get 40 shots a game because they could just pump the ball into him and, and you couldn't stop him. And that would give them the space they needed because then dudes would just, you know, fan out and, you know, they, the deeper three point line, whatever. But Momney, the offense is not, is not giving him the same sort of looks he got. And he's not, he's not to a place with his handle where he can kind of dribble himself to a place where he gets the kind of looks he wants. And he's kind of always stuck in like some, like, 50% version of the shot he wants, right? And realistically, like, I sometimes think, like, his best shot is to shoot is, is his three-point shot. Like, that's the shot that looks the, you know, the most fluid, the most um, confident uh, is when he's, you know, he's, he's got to look from outside. The problem with all of that is that, like you said before, Virginia really needed a star. Like, they needed a consistent Anthony Gill-like piece. And I understand they've got currently the number one team in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency but even that suffers sometimes late in games, and you you need to score points. And this team is – we talked about margin of error earlier. You know, they're, they're so often right on that line, and then it's just like two mistakes, and they fall off a cliff. And that's kind of the thing. But that gets me to the other thing I want to talk about before we move over to the football schedule. So we talked in the preseason, which I've mentioned before during the season, uh, about – I know if I was smart enough, I'd already have had the um, – the, the episode's number uh, handy. But we talked in the preseason about the idea that, like, a lot of people at the time were saying, you know, whether it's on the board or, you know, on Twitter or wherever, like, hey, you know, like, I, we're, we're going to take our bumps this year, but it's going to be okay. I mean, the title, I don't really care, you know, what happens. I know this team's going to struggle some. Yeah, tell that to people, <laughs> you know, the other uh, Tuesday when they're down at Boston College or when Syracuse hits three threes in a row in overtime or – you know, they, they basically uh, – I don't want to say they handed the Florida State game to Florida State, but in a way they kind of did. Um, and, I look, I, I am not – in in the past on the show, I have at times told people how to feel. I don't think that that's – I'm a new me. I'm a new Brad. Uh, I've killed the old one. A better fan. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I right, Yeah, you and your better fan. Uh, but I, I, I'm not going to tell people how to think or how to feel. But I will say that, like, on some level – like when the game is over, it's totally natural to be frustrated, you know, and I and I get that. I think the thing is, is that it's almost to me that for years, Virginia basketball games were like this referendum on the program, right? And everybody, all the fans, caped up, you know they. They went in their their phone booth and they put on their Superman cape and they came out and they fought for Virginia's honor, right, against all the haters. And then they won a championship, right? And it was the ultimate, you know what, you to to all the haters, all the people in the national media who hated Virginia style and said it was ruining basketball. And now all of those same people, all those same haters, they they, you know, they barely talk about Virginia because they're not in the top twenty-five. You know, they're obviously they're sitting at what 12 and uh, six right now overall. Um, <laughs> so it's funny to me in the sense because like all of these all of these years, Virginia fans have been able to, to 
to basically take their frustration uh, that they that that, that disrespect and, and point it back toward the the, the people who who hated on them. But now their frustration is at their team, and they don't know what to do with it because you know all of this time they've you know they've been fighting off the the dragon so to speak, and now like the dragon doesn't even care about them. You know what I mean? And so like I understand that like there is a lot of pressure from the outside from the fan base, um, and maybe that's just the nature of consistency, right? So Virginia in 2019 they went what 35 and three, right? Year before they were 31 and three. Right now, granted, yeah. in 2017 they're 23 and 11. I mean, maybe a lot of people don't remember what it was like when they lost four games in a row that February, right? Or five. Yeah. They lost five of six that February, um, including you know they've lost to Tech in double overtime down in Blacksburg. They lost to Duke at home. Then they lost. Then they got blown out by Carolina on the road when they was that the game when they made like no threes or some nonsense. Yeah. Um, yeah, then they lost to overtime to Miami at home. I mean, like I'm not saying like. Uh, you're not allowed to be frustrated. You absolutely are. Like they're your team. Get get frustrated. But it's the it's the place where you, afterwards, where it's like everything is like nuclear. That I'm just like, yo, like maybe that's not, you know, the best. <laughs> maybe that's not yeah. because ultimately, what's going to happen, right? The the problems that you see on your team, they're going to get fixed, right? Like maybe some dudes are going to go. Um, because they exhaust their eligibility, maybe Virginia is going to have even a couple kids who might want to transfer or whatever. But you got some kids coming in. You know, not all is not lost. You know what I'm saying? And I and I and I understand like it's super hard to watch at times because you're so used to it being so dang consistent. Um, but that's sort of just the the name of the game. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, people can react how they want to react. Most of it, you know, I wouldn't say most. Uh, there's been way too much ridiculous reactions um, for my liking. Yeah, you know, I choose to ignore ignore them, but they are. If that's how you want to you know, feel about this program. You know, if you, if you want to react like that because they're four and four in the ACC and had only lost four ACC games the previous two years combined, I mean, that's your right. I, I don't think it's helping anything. Um, it's not changing anything. And if anything to me, like, look, I wouldn't trade that national title for anything. Um, and I've said it before, like, you know, if Virginia had lost to Texas Tech in that game, we wouldn't be national champions and we'd probably have this exact same team. And that would suck. So this sucks a lot less. And, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. I mean, look, the people are going to pick on you because the same way we would pick on any other team, like if Duke had won the national title this last year and had a bad team this year because they lost some people they didn't think they were going to do or whatever. And for some reason they didn't pay a lot of recruits this year. Um, <laughs> they got done. We would all be jumping on them too. Um, look at it, when you're when you reach the pinnacle, people are going to pounce on you when you come down a little bit, and that's fine. You know, it's a lot better to be getting pounced on a little bit than than being ignored. Um, which, for look, as an older fan who was there from, you know, <laughs> been watching a lot of basketball for my forty plus years, and look, there were years where this season we're having right now, we would be talking about how close we were to being good not how far away from being we are from being good. So it's all about perspective. Um, like, I mean, like, who, who knows what this roster looks like next year, but I do know that there's some guys on this team who are going to be big pieces. If next year is going to be a, you know, a very, very good team versus, you know, a, a plus team um, who are getting more experience now than that will help them. Um, 
you know, I won't name them all, but it's pretty clear. Yeah, you know which guys are, are likely to return and help. Um, so, you know, and even that, even as much as we've talked about how terrible this team is, tonight they're at most one game out of fourth in the ACC. Um, now that's to say you know, that doesn't mean you think they lose the rest, but all all is not lost. Um, so. It looks like if they can finish 500 in the ACC, they'll they'll have a decent seed in the ACC tournament. And once you get there, it's anybody's game. Um, making NCAA's might be tough just because the ACC as a whole is down. You're not going to have many quality wins unless you beat Duke or Louisville. Um, so who knows what the season, what the end result of the season is? But I know what the end result of last year's was, and I wouldn't trade that for anything. And so the season marches on. Did I lose you, Brad? No, I'm here. I'm here. I'm still here. <laughs> okay. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the season marches on. Uh, they'll get Wake Forest Sunday, and then they get Florida State next Tuesday um, in a rematch, and then we will discuss on uh, on on Wednesday. Um, yeah, it could be a different discussion. You know, they win those two games. They're, what, six and four, and have yeah. beaten one of the better teams in the ACC. Yeah. And then, I, will, I will say this. They get, they get Florida State – uh, next Tuesday, the 28th. And then they don't play again until the following Wednesday. So they do have about a week, um, you know, if you think about between, you know, the, the 29th would be their 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 first day, quote-unquote, off, and then they would have a game on the 5th. So it's it's a week, but, you know, basically it's a week off. That could be extremely important for them. Um, one, you know, the, the more you can get off of Braxton's wrist, the better. Um, but just having some time away from the floor might not be a bad thing. I've been saying repeatedly, I think the, the thing that they really need to do is play more ball together. Um, because sometimes, you know, in these different lineups, I mean, it's just sort of nature of the beast, but like sometimes they look like five dudes who just met each other. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah. yeah, that, that week off will be super important for them before they get Clemson at home, um, next week. Now, speaking of Clemson, uh, let's talk about the football schedule. Um, woo. Listen, I think we all understood that this thing was going to be difficult comparatively, right? I, I don't think I expected him to get two playoff teams in the first four weeks of the season. Um, I did. <laughs> yeah, you, I, yeah, you texted. You were like, I think they're going to get him in, in September. Yeah, if you just look at Clemson's schedule, it made sense for us to have him in September. They got, they've got late. You know, they got South Carolina late in the year, and they had another out of conference game late. And I think they've got Notre Dame this year too. So, you know, it made sense for us to get him in September. Um, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, 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 you know, heck it's going to happen now. So, <laughs> so they get, um, they get Georgia in the Georgia dome, sorry, the Mercedes Benz stadium or whatever they call it in Atlanta now, uh, which neutral is, field, which is decadent. Yeah. Neutral, super, <laughs> super neutral. Um, then they get uh VMI and UConn and then they get Clemson and then they get Carolina and then they get a buy. And then they, there's only one buy this season because of the way the schedule, um, the excuse me, the calendar lines up. And then at the end of the year, um, they're going to close with Pitt at home as the final home game, and they go to the Blacksburg. It's a Saturday game, which is uh, kind of the ACC to listen to um, the pleas of the athletic directors at both institutions. Um, overall, Dave, as you look at this thing, uh, I, I, we should have held this for next week because you know Ferber's got thoughts. Um, what, what do you feel like – what's your major sort of takeaway – in terms of um, not just like how hard it is or anything, but like what, yeah. what is this, how does this sort of set the, um, the expectation for you going into the 2020 season? I mean, I mean, we look, we, we knew Georgia and Clemson were on the schedule. So um, 
I mean, not to be a pessimist, but you figured, you know, you've got to make hay in your other 10 games. I, I'm fine with playing Clemson early. I mean, you know, they get, they're getting ETN back. You know, Lawrence is back. Ross is back. They're losing um, Higgins and, you know, I don't know how they'll replace them. Um, but, but they're going to be good. They're going to be good whenever you play them. Um, if you look at their history, they, they tend to get better as the season goes on. So might as well get them early. And playing a team like Georgia before them and after having played Florida and Clemson the last two games, your point of reference is a lot different. So it won't be, you know, I'm not saying Virginia is going to win those games, but to me it kind of reminds me of the 95 schedule when they just had like you know Michigan and Texas and all these other big teams, which eventually resulted in them playing better against teams like Florida State and um, Georgia Tech that year. So, like, tough games can breed stuff. And, you know, Brennan Armstrong is going to get thrown right to the fire. Um, they do catch a Georgia team that's going to be replacing their quarterback and multiple offensive linemen, but it's still going to be ridiculously talented in a home, in, you know, in a home stadium environment. So then they come back and get VMI and UConn. So, you know, if all things work out, they should be two and one going to Clemson, which means two and two coming out of September with that schedule. You, you kind of just move forward. Um, the rest of the schedule as a whole, I mean, you've got to play those teams. I was a little, I think I texted you about it, but I, I didn't like the end of our season when I first saw it. So, um, I don't have it right in front of me, but you know, was it beat Virginia Tech's the last game that we played Pitt? We've got uh, Louisville in there. Who about Georgia? Who else is in there? Forgetting somebody. Um, but anyway, the, the last Friday night, the, the Friday, season, the Friday night game at Duke. Yeah, Duke. Yeah. So a bunch of conference games late in the year. Um, I think we played five conference games in the last five games. But we play the exact same five teams Virginia Tech does in the exact, you know, different weeks, but same five in that five weeks, including each other. So uh, overall, the Coastal plays a lot of conference games over the last five weeks for the most part. I think Georgia Tech was the exception. So, I mean, I think it's a pretty fair schedule. I would say the only thing that I didn't like after first seeing it was going to Clemson and coming home to a Carolina team that should be good. Um, But, you know, I mean, I'd like to get Carolina coming off a bye, but, you know, it, it, you're not. So you just deal with it and move on. Um, for, the, for the most part, you know, if you think about it compared to last year's schedule, you're replacing um, Notre Dame with Georgia um, and um, Florida State with Clemson. And everyone else is pretty much the same caliber, you know, same team or same caliber out of conference. Right. Uh, if not a drop off of VMI versus William and Mary, and you know Virginia won eight games against that schedule. Um, sorry, nine games against that schedule. Ooh. Um, so the potential's there. You know, it's just some of the other teams are going to be better. Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a really good way to sort of frame it, which is is that you know everybody else didn't get you know the, what what was this year. It's not stuck in mud, right? So Georgia Tech, I would imagine, is going to be better. Uh, I would imagine Miami will be better. Louisville will probably be even better than what we saw them, um, when the te- when the Cavaliers went down there. Uh, Carolina's going to be um, pretty good and probably dealing with a whole bunch of hype. Um, you know, I'm not sure what to make of Pittsburgh yet. Um, and quite frankly, I mean, with Tech having five dudes jump in the portal today, um, I'm not really sure what to make of them either. Um, 
that whole situation just seems very strange to me, as I've mentioned publicly before. But like, it's going to be a tough haul. I mean, if we went through it right now and we tried to try to pick it, I mean, I think we'd both say they're going to lose to Georgia. We both think they'd they'd win VMI. They beat VMI and in, in UConn. Uh, lose to Clemson. Would you have them beaten Carolina today or no? Because it's at home and I don't know anything. Yes. Yeah, I would tend to. Uh, I, would, I mean, I mean, I think that's the, the one thing for me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, the one the one positive before we roll down the schedule a little further is that the teams you just mentioned as being likely improved and you know even better than they were last year, Carolina, Louisville, um, Georgia Tech, Miami, and maybe Pitt. We don't know what they are. We get four of those guys at home. Um, so you know the only only team we play that we expect to be better on the road is Georgia Tech. So you know because Carolina's at home. I, I'll put it as a win right now, even though I think that's going to be a really, really good team. And they could be top 15 looking at their schedule by the time they roll into our game. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So then uh, you got um, – so, all right. So Georgia Tech, Old Dominion, two games on the road. Split them? I mean, I think Virginia's got to win them both. If they're uh, yeah, be I would say win bowling. them both. So two, three – Four, five, so five and two, Miami <laughs> and Louisville. I mean, I think I still think Louisville is going to be a problem. I mean, I, I think, yeah, I do too. I, I think that team is a lot more talented than than it showed in 2018, um, and even in 2019, they just weren't consistent. But they're super talented, and I, I think they they recruited pretty well. Um, I would expect that they'll be they'll be even better. I'm not, I'm not sure what to make of Miami yet, and and I'm going to pick. I would say Virginia would win that game as of today. Um, I mean, Derrick King's, you know, he's a hell of a quarterback. He is. Um, no, yeah, he is. He I, was a second-rated quarterback, you know. Um, I, I just have seen this movie before, Donnie you know? Yeah, but that's what I was going to say. Like, But, you know, Miami had a lot of talent coming in this year, and they were really good until they weren't. And, yeah, right, um, exactly. So, you were really good until you weren't. Um, yeah, and this is around October 31st is when they weren't. So, <laughs> that's good. All right, so then um, at Duke on a Friday night – which if I'm going to have to – if they're, they're going to have to have a Friday night game, I'm good with going to Durham on a Friday yeah. night. That's fine. Probably um, it really hurt the crowd. I'll take that as a win. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then Pittsburgh, like I said, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I mean, I wouldn't mind I – wouldn't, I wouldn't have a problem picking Virginia to win both those games. My problem in general, though, with trying to, to figure all this out um, – man, listen, Bryce Perkins was a lot, right? Yeah, yeah like, he was. Like Bryce Perkins was a lot. Um. I have a lot of faith in Brennan Armstrong, right? I have a lot of faith in Brennan Armstrong. And I genuinely think that the skill position guys, listen, you're losing Hasis and you're losing Joe Reed. That's 150 basically catches and, what, 1,800, 1,900 yards or whatever. That's a lot of production, right? Um, I think that Virginia has some pieces that can cut into that. But the difference is going to be, does the offensive line take a step where the running game is a thing? And if the running game is a thing, how much of that is Brennan and how much of it is actual running backs? Um, there are a whole lot of cooks in that kitchen at running back. Um, we got to wait for all that to sort itself out. Um, defensively, I think we know that they can be special. Like, they can be absolutely special. The, the trick is going to be the, the secondary and guys, you know, is Bratton back from his knee injury? Um, are they able to stay healthy? Because their four is pretty strong. I thought Nick Grant had a pretty solid season. Um you know, he made some plays in spots when maybe I wouldn't have expected him to. And I think he, he really, you know, changed some of people's opinions. Because um, I think even originally, like, you know, he was a safety, you know, he was a corner, you know, that kind of thing. 
Um, yeah. So can they stay healthy? And there's all that. I mean, because realistically, they should have a very good season. The trick is, is that this is an offense that's used to getting like, you know, how many, what, 80, 90% of their, of its offensive production. 78. <laughs> right. Yeah. From Perkins. Yeah. And, you know, look, Brennan Armstrong might come out there and do the same thing and make me look stupid. But I mean, I just don't think you should expect a dude to come in there green. Uh, I know he's gotten some burn here and there. And that's, that's not, I'm not trying to like, just, you know, hand wave that away. Um, but it's not the same as carrying a team week to week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you know what? I think when you, We'll know a lot more of this team as as we get out of spring ball and before fall camp, obviously. Um, but you know, looking at the defense, what what we know is returning. At least the starters and a little bit of depth are going to be very, very good. The question becomes, to me, as we saw this year with as the season goes on, with the only one by this year and a tough schedule against some tough opponents. What's the depth look like at the end of these? You know, going into fall camp, who? Who that's third on the roster doesn't want to stick around because I mean I think we'll see a couple transfers. I don't know what positions or who they'll be, but just looking at the depth at some positions, it wouldn't be a shock to have some guys try to find easier playing time. Um, and it may not hurt your starters, but you know as we as we saw with the secondary this year, it can affect how good you can be for for a season. Um, and then same thing with the offense. Like I love Brennan. I think. He's a very natural read option quarterback. That part of the game comes a little more naturally to him than it did to Bryce. But Bryce was a freak athlete. Um, and Brennan is a plus athlete. I don't know if he's a freak athlete. Um, and the other thing that Bryce, uh, Brent, uh, that Perkins was, is durable. Like that kid took some shots. So until I know who's backing up Brennan, like I have a, I'll be a little tentative to, to start speculating where this team could be 12 games in. Um, so, I mean, I think we've got to establish a back, you know, or we've got to figure out who the backup quarterback is and whether hopefully it's someone with a similar skill set. So you don't have to, you know, change the offense should he need to come in. Um, cause to me, like, you know, establishing the run and improving the run game with a, an offensive line, returning all its pieces and adding a couple guys who could potentially be starters in the mix should make the run game a little better, especially with a quarterback who's not going to be asked to throw the ball as much initially. So a lot of questions, but also a lot of answers, um, a lot more answers than UVA fans normally have about their team. I was literally just thinking the same thing that like, it's, it's very odd to be like, Oh yeah, that's right. They have like the entire offensive line come back. Plus they get Gellerstedt back. Plus they're going to have some red shirt dudes. Plus they, you know what I mean? Like it's very odd to be like, wow. Yeah. Like like, Hubbard and Fannin. I mean, there's some dudes, you know? Yeah. They got a bunch of pieces that they can, you know, mix around. I, I guess on the offensive line, my question is what, happens with the with the slotting um because i think yeah. it's fairly clear that when geller sets back they probably don't need rankins meyer playing tackle and it would probably be bad it would probably be in his best interest and the interest of the, of the of the team to move him back to guard if he moves to guard what does that mean right How, what does that change um you know is Swoboda in a place where he can be in every down tackle because if so man you're even you're even richer than you thought you know um, yeah. So it's just it's there are a lot of you're right. There's a lot of questions. Um, the lot there is not quite as big as it has been in the past, and it certainly is not as uh, in, like is uh, as um, sensitive maybe as it's been in the past. You know, you got to find production receiver, and you got to find a quarterback. And I'm not trying to say those things aren't important because they obviously are. But when you think about position battles, like a lot of the pe- a lot of the stuff is you know it's sort of known, right? 
And then there's just a, yeah. a lot of depth. And then you have some young kids who, you know, um, guys who either played last year uh, and redshirted or even just, you know, kids they've signed. For example, I wouldn't be surprised, especially since he enrolled early, if the Rollins kid is not playing some significant, oh, yeah. you know, reps. At, that boy's at good. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> yeah. and he's kind of built for what they want. Um, now, he, physically, yeah. he's got it. But, I mean, the fact that he enrolled early should put him in a really good spot. Um, you know, get a, You know, the thing that's really interesting to me is Brendan Armstrong will be the first quarterback this staff has coached at UVA that's been in the program for three years. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he's got a head st- even though it would be a first year starting, he's got a considerable head start over with Bryce or Kurt or um, who am I forgetting? First year. Matt. Um, Matt. Uh, <laughs> Matt had with the staff, right? Right. So, I mean, he should have a better – it won't be learning the offense. It'll be learning how to run the offense with the team. Um, I wouldn't be shocked to see the tempo, you know, a tempo offense emerge this year with the depth at offensive line and, you know, and some pieces that can do multiple things. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Hopefully we see get to see some spring practice. But, um, it, God, it's, it's nice to be – yeah, I'm always looking forward to football season. I'm really looking forward to next football season. I've already got hotel rooms booked in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the kind of fan you are. Um, I think that's a, a good place to to put a pin in it. I want to thank uh, everybody out there for continuing to support the show. If you are so inclined, look us up on let's see, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is that you might get your shows. Uh, if you want to give us a rating review, helps put get us out in front of more people. If you are somebody who's found the pod has not given us a look, check us out of the website, capscorner.com. We, I mentioned my column earlier that you can check out. I had video, which I thought was actually really interesting with Casey Marcel sort of talking about the season and, and handling everything that he's sort of been through, um, which has been probably not necessarily what he expected. Um, I got a feedback thread uh, from the weekend on the junior day. Um, and then obviously as we move forward, I guess I got, man, Ferber's gone. I got to write the, uh, power rankings thing i've never i don't think i've ever written one of those those have always been him that's his baby uh i'm gonna i'm gonna completely change the format tomorrow um and then we'll get you ready for wake forest this weekend and i'm going down there although i have not seen credentials yet so that's probably not good um but anyway that's my problem to figure out not yours um remember hit that fanatics link if you need any sort of gear uva or otherwise anything that you purchase using that link um goes to support the site i very much appreciate it again i want to thank thorium wealth and second string sports for their support of the show thoriumwealth.com t-h-o-r-i-u-m wealth.com for more information full disclosures and you can check out what second string sports has to offer at secondstringsports.com second with a two um again i want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show episode four 341 uh i know i do this all the time i don't care um still blows my mind and i want to thank dave for giving graciously his time on a wednesday night to help me pilot this year's ship Thank you very much. For David Spence, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you soon.